Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to the animated series Star Wars Resistance. Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Radio Dakar. I am your host, Doug Brooks, and this is the final episode of information before we get to the premiere of Star Wars Resistance. It is coming up in just a few days uh, from the time this podcast is being posted. The big premiere is on Sunday, October 7th, with the first episode, The Recruit, being on Disney XD at 10 p.m., Eastern and Pacific in the U.S., but there will be episodes shown earlier in the day on the Disney Now app and on Disney VOD. So, this episode is going to be all about what we've learned to this point about Resistance. There's been a lot of information come in fast and furious in the last couple of weeks, so I felt it best to recap all of that. I'd originally intended to do a review of the Poe Dameron comic just could not find the time to devote to give that series the justice it needs. Um, I, I would be glossing over a little bit too much. I will say um, I questioned uh, Matt Martin from the uh, Lucasfilm Story Group. Uh, he's at Missing Words on Twitter. I asked him just when does the Poe comic take place in relation to Resistance and The Force Awakens? Uh, my original question was how soon before The Force Awakens does issue one of Poe take place? And he said about a year. And then I thanked him and said I was asking so that I could find out how Poe ties into Resistance. And he said that, and then he made a general tweet about it as well, issues 1 through 25 of the Poe comic take place before episode 1 of Resistance. And really quickly... The first 25 issues is Poe's search for Lor Senteca, Max von Sydow's character in The Force Awakens, so that they can find Luke Skywalker. It's not really a spoiler because we know of their meeting in the movie. By issue 25, he has located Lor Senteca, and he tells Poe and Leia that he will get the information they need on the whereabouts of Luke, and goes off on his own mission which we see the ending of at the beginning of The Force Awakens when he gives Poe the map. So my plan is to still do the uh, Poe comic review because it takes place in this era, but I will save that for what I would imagine will be a mid-season break uh, for Resistance. They always did that with Rebels. So when that time comes, I will then do the Poe comic review and may have a surprise or two during that mid-season break as well on the podcast, but I'll let you know when that time gets closer. But this episode will be all about resistance, everything we've learned up till now. A lot of great official information has come out. Let me start with the episode synopses. Well, if you include The Recruit as part one and part two, since it's an hour-long episode, this would be technically the first five episodes. We, Disney Channel did release information on the episodes and who is technically the guest stars. I'll, I'm just going to read them through. Uh, the Recruit, Part 1 and Part 2, which will air this Sunday, October 7th, 
Uh, X-Wing pilot Kazuda Ziono is recruited for the Resistance, but finds himself in over his head when Poe Dameron assigns him to a remote fueling station to spy on the First Order. Then, after Kaz boasts about being the best pilot around, he is forced to compete in a dangerous sky race. It should be noted, the guest stars listed for the episode are Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron, which I discussed in the last episode. I didn't expect him to be in every episode. I figured his job on the show would be to let people know that when this is taking place, and I'll get to that in a minute with some information we learned, but that he would help jumpstart the series, send Kaz on his way, and then go back to doing other missions for the Resistance that we've known about from the comics. Uh, Also, Jim Rash and Bobby Moynihan are listed as guest stars. I don't know if that means they'll only be in every few episodes, or they just wanted to give them the recognition that way. Um, But hopefully we'll see their characters Flix and Orca, respectively, more often than not. The information from the synopsis about the recruit is no big surprise. It's pretty much what we knew about the basic premise of the entire show, that Kaz is being sent to the Colossus. Which, as we found out, according to the databank on StarWars.com, is located on the planet Castellon. Um, that he goes to Castellon to find out who is a First Order spy within the Resistance. So it could be any of our main characters. Uh, might be a side character, we don't know. But it's going to set into motion the entire series, and then it will focus heavily on the, the races that we've seen in the trailer and the extended looks. Moving on, the second episode beyond that, or I don't know if they'll consider it episode three, is called The Triple Dark, and this will air on the 14th. Uh, All it says is, Kaz and BB-8 uncover information on an imminent pirate attack and must find a way to stop it. And the guest star for this episode is Gwendolyn Christie as Captain Phasma. Very similar to Oscar Isaac, I didn't expect her to be in a lot of episodes, but... She will be in uh, this one very early in the series to uh, send the Stormtroopers on their mission. Uh, We saw, and I'll get to it later when I do a trailer breakdown, we saw Pirates and Marauders attacking the station, so clearly that, uh, I would imagine that happens in this episode, um, that Kaz and BB-8 go snooping around and find out that it's coming and the second half of the episode is probably that attack we see. Uh, the next episode is Fuel for the Fire. Kaz befriends a sky racer named Rucklin, who pressures him to take some rare and dangerous hyperfuel hidden in Yeager's office. That sounds straight out of Fast and Furious and if any of you watched Smallville they did a Fast and Furious type episode where uh, they use, there was street racing in Smallville, and they used kryptonite nitrous, basically, uh, to make the cars go faster, and of course it affected Clark. So if that's the tone they go for here, where, and it's, and it's a good lesson for the kids, you know, um, if you're going to use, you know, this dangerous hyperfuel to cheat in the race, you know, that's bad. So th- this could be a fun episode. And this... Uh, so far as the biggest guest star we've seen Elijah Wood from Lord of the Rings is playing Jace Rucklin 
the uh, Sky Racer. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. That's really cool that Elisha is coming on the show. He makes the second Hobbit to be in Star Wars lately, as I mentioned last episode. Dominic Monaghan, uh, who is Mary, is joining Episode Nine. So it'll be cool to see Frodo himself, or at least hear him on the show. And the final episode they gave uh, information about is called The High Tower. Uh, airs on October 28th. And the First Order arrives at the platform for mysterious reasons, and Kaz and BB-8 are determined to sneak into the tower to find out what they want. Also listed as a guest star is Donald Faison playing Hype Faison. Again, like with Flix and Orca, hopefully Hype is on many episodes and not just the occasional guest star. Um, unless it's a case of <clears throat> there's not always racing every episode, so they may not need to see the aces. Uh, where if it's something like this or a triple dark, where it's more of a Chasm BB-8 undercover mission, uh, it may not be necessary to the story, but we'll see. But it looks like they're going for different tones in each episode as far as what what is going on, whether it's the racing or attack on the base, uh, whether it's the First Order or pirates or sea monsters. Even we saw that. I joked about it with some friends, but I'm convinced somebody at Disney or Lucasfilm loves tentacle monsters in stories like this because Force Awakens had the Rathtars and Rogue One had Borgullet and Solo had um, <clears throat> the creatures in um, the Maelstrom uh, during the Kessel Run and we've got the sea monster. Uh, it, it creates a great visual with the tentacles flying everywhere trying to attack but it seems like a common theme. But it's all in good fun. Alright, so that's all the information on the upcoming episodes. <clears throat> Disney did state, and they also mentioned on Twitter that uh, the recruit will be available early on Sunday <clears throat> on the app, but also the next couple of episodes. Whether that means the recruit plus two episodes, or if the recruit is two episodes and, and Triple Dark is on there. So we'll get, we're going to get a lot of stuff to watch on Sunday. I'm still going to review one episode at a time based on the Disney airings. I, uh, I will review the Recruit, have that podcast up next week, and then I will wait till the week after to post Triple Dark review, even though I would have already seen it with the Recruit this week. I want to keep that steady. And for those who don't have maybe access to the app or the on-demand, just stretch it out as best I can. That way everybody gets a fair shake as far as watching the episode then listening to the review, because they will be spoiler-heavy. Um, as I said, I'm going to do live tweeting either during or right after each episode airs on Disney Channel or Disney XD. <clears throat> I won't do it with the app early in the day. But I will, I will wait a week before tweeting out any spoilers from a previous episode to give everybody a fair chance, uh, within reason, to, to watch it. And then the podcast will be full spoilers. <clears throat> so that's, uh, let me see, that's episode synopses and casting. I will touch on uh, the situation with Rachel Butera, who plays Leia. Um, as some of you may know, she posted a very questionable thing on Twitter with an impersonation of a real-life person. 
I don't want to get into it too much. It was in bad taste. Um, it's a very sensitive subject for a lot of people. There's been a demand for her to be replaced as far as the voice talent. I, I could... And to this point, there's been no official word from Lucasfilm or Disney. I, I would be fine with that happening if she is replaced. I don't know if Leia is going to be that much of a factor on the show. It may have been. It may just be in the first episode when she sends Poe and Kaz on this mission. But yes, she can show up later. Um, that may give them time to recast it. I don't know what they're going to do, but it's just not a good situation. She shouldn't have done what she did. She tried to apologize, but um, it's just not an easy thing, um, especially given the subject matter and what, and what caused it. But I'll, I'll just leave it at that. So I'm, I'm aware of the situation, and uh, if any changes are made, I'll let you know. <clears throat> Alright, let's move on to the other flood of information we got, because there was a press junket recently where uh, several fans slash media got to uh, go and talk to some of the creators, the producers, uh, some of the voice actors. Got lots of great information. I read several sources as far as who was there, so I'm going to kind of combine the information because it would get too repetitive to just review each of their articles. But it was Jonah Marie, uh, sorry, Jonah Marie Macias, who is at Blue Jay Guys on Twitter, uh, Sarah and Richard Woloski. Um, it's at Jedi Tink and at Sith Rich. And Brian Young, who is at Swankmatron. Uh, these people are all great follows. They give great information. They love Star Wars. If you go to my Twitter, at Radio Dakar, R-A-D-I-O-D-Q-A-R, just go into the people I follow, and they're all there. And after this episode is posted, I will just make a tweet with all their references that way you can follow them if you need to for information so they got to talk to Athena Portillo uh, Brandon Allman and Justin Ridge who are all um, producers and then it was Bobby Moynihan Christopher Sean Susan McGrath and Donald Faison from the show uh, who are in a roundtable setting and they just gave them all the information. Everybody went off and wrote their respective articles. So I kind of collected the, the major points to hit. Uh, so I'll go over this, talk about the trailer, and that one extended scene we got to see, and then that will be it uh, for this episode, and we'll move on to review time. They did mention that the show is geared for ages 6 to 12. I kind of figured that was going to be the case anyway, given the animation style and the focus on BB-8, because he's such a beloved... Um, character for kids and just given the color and the uh, light humorness of the show my son will be six in, uh, very soon so he's hitting that sweet spot where this is a kind of a show for him he loved Rebels too and that's slight, you know, those later seasons got slightly older as far as the material but he's looking forward to this even my infant son loves the visuals of it when I'm watching clips on my phone. I will get into where I think they're going to have to hit some hard subjects. So it's uh, ages 6 to 12 is the focus. They did mention uh, another guest star is going to be Greg Proops, who was one of the pod race announcer heads in The Phantom Menace. 
he's also a comedian who was on um, Whose Line Is It Anyway? He is playing the race announcer on The Colossus named Jack Sivrak, which is a play on Lack Sivrak, who was the wolf-esque alien character in the cantina in the original version of A New Hope before they did the special editions and took it out. Um, Bobby Moynihan did confirm uh, that his character Orca is a Shadrafan, which is the short bat-like creature that was in the cantina in A New Hope. Um, uh, Shadrafan's character, and I totally blanked on the, na- the character's name in A New Hope. She was featured, I think it was a she, she was featured in one of the stories in From a Certain Point of View, which was really neat. And also there was a Shadrafan character in Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad by Christy Golden. And Janina Gavoncard did a great voice for the character in the audiobook. Um, Bobby Moynihan said he's going for kind of a deeper tone. We haven't seen um, Orca on video yet, but... It'll be interesting to see his take on an existing species. Jim Rash's character Flix is a brand new species, so we don't yet know anything about uh, that character when we see them um, in the shop on the Colossus. Bobby Moynihan described the Colossus as a galactic truck stop. People come in, get their fuel, get their food, and go on about their way. There's the shop if they need work done. I think that's neat. It's something we haven't totally seen in Star Wars. It almost makes me think of uh, where they stopped at the end of the Spaceballs. When they were going to refuel and they were in the diner and they uh, did the parody of Aliens. But on a personal note, I think it's really neat because my oldest son loves truck stops. Uh, In this area we have a uh, thing uh, created by Dolly Parton called the Imagination Library. They send a book to a child every month for until uh, they're five. That way, and, it's, and it was started for underprivileged children in this in the Appalachian area. But anybody can sign up. Like they sign you up at the hospital when the baby's born. So you get five years worth of books uh, to start your child's library and get them excited about reading. And his favorite book was one about a truck stop. It was told from a kid's perspective and how his mom and dad ran the uh, one of the stores at the truck stop and he'd see everybody come in and how they were all unique uh, depending on what kind of truck they drove and all that. So I'm hoping for that kind of a tone with the show. It'd be neat to see different characters. You know, it could just be a side character like stopping in, you know, refueling or whatever. So I think my, my son will get a kick out of that. I really like that note about it. That's just very personal, but I wanted to mention it. And uh, Justin Ridge made a remark that the great thing about this era is, and it was really clear on the trailer, it's a lot of the old technology combined with new technology. You see the older ships that have been salvaged and cannibalized to create the racers. I talked last time about uh, how Griff, uh, Griff Halloran's old TIE fighter looks rebuilt, and it almost resembles the TIE striker from Rogue One. And then they moved on to... Okay. 
I will mention, uh, Susan McGrath mentioned that Tam Rivora is from Kuat, which, though never mentioned in the movies, is a pretty prominent um, planet in the Star Wars realm. Uh, the Kuat Drive Yards, it, it's a shipyard. It's where they built Star Destroyers and other things. It, uh, As far as the canon goes, it's for sure mentioned in Aftermath by Chuck Wendig. In those books. I can't remember. I know it's in Legends. But I can't remember if it's been mentioned anywhere else. But she, So she is confirmed to be from Kuat. Where she was a very accomplished pilot there. Crashed her plane. And that's how she wound up on Castellon. Now the other thing they talked about prominently. They did confirm that the beginning of Resistance takes place six months before The Force Awakens. Again, I originally speculated it could be anywhere between six years to write up before The Force Awakens because of the timeline established uh, by the book Bloodline by Claudia Gray. But they have confirmed it is six months. And, and they said the reason they did that, and it does make sense, put it as close to the movie as you can with some lead-up. Put in BB-8 and Poe Dameron. That way the kids, who the show's for, will instantly know when this takes place. Uh, they said if you set it 5 or 15 years before this, it gets a little messier. You have to explain more. Um, kind of summarizing there. So that does make sense that all they have to do is see the characters and they know that, oh, it's right before uh, Episode 7 that we went and saw in the theater or saw on video. And they said there will be overlap to some extent with The Force Awakens. Um they made the remark, I uh, can't remember who to attribute the quote to, but when war begins, the good guys need pilots. So that means... And the events of The Force Awakens seem to take place rather quickly over the course of a few days. So at some point on Resistance in this first season, I would imagine, because the way they were talking, it seems like all this is going to happen in the first season. If they have plans for future seasons, we don't know what that is yet. That could be the bridge between The Last Jedi and Episode Nine, depending on how many years take place in between those movies, and we don't yet know that. I'm getting into speculation here, but since it's six months and not a year, because with some exceptions, you would think that a season of a TV show takes place over the course of a year. There's a great running joke on Arrow, where the season finale for like the first three uh, seasons uh, had involved an attack on Star City. And I think it was in season three when one of the characters said, the city's under attack must be May. Because, you know, this episode always aired in May and they were always under attack. So it lets you know that it happens every year. Rebels seem to take place about that same length of time, a year lasting a season. So let's assume... Six months before The Force Awakens means that the events of The Force Awakens take place at the mid-season break. And that the fallout is the last part of the season. So that's when... That, that also didn't lead me to believe that Kaz will find out the spy by the mid-season. It could be stretched out to the season finale, but we'll see on that. I think... In some ways, I don't even care who it is. I think part of the fun is 
getting there to, you know, eliminating this suspect and thinking, oh, it may be this person, you know, maybe it's a different person each episode you think might be it. <clears throat> That's going to be the fun of the, the fun of the journey. Uh, I think I'm more interested in that than the destination. I'm sure we'll be shocked by who it actually is, but we'll see when that gets there. But you've got this chance to blend the information received from The Force Awakens in the series. You know, if the whole season takes place on the Colossus, are they re receiving this information about Hosnian Prime and the attack of Starkiller Base and uh, the Resistance barely escaping? You know, how does this information trickle into them? Do they go and participate in it? Do we actually see part of The Force Awakens from their perspective? I don't know. That's um, something we don't know yet, don't fully know yet, but I think it's going to be very interesting to find out. And the one thing, uh, Christopher Sean, in an interview during the press junket, mentioned um, one of the di dynamics of Kaz's character is he has a strained relationship with his father. Um, he comes from a wealthy family, and his father is actually a New Republic senator. And I thought, okay, that'll be interesting. It's not exactly like Ray being a desert rat, that sort of thing. And then it started to click in my mind. Wait a minute. He's a senator. Unless he's on a diplomatic mission or something like that, he was on Hosnian Prime when the Starkiller base attack happened. So he will die. And that could get pretty heavy for a show targeted to 6 to 12. It, like I mentioned earlier with, you know, does the episode with the dangerous hyperfuel, you know, is that teaching you a lesson about cheating and, you know, about how wrong it is to take things? Are they going to have to, are they going to do an episode where somebody has to deal with the loss of a loved one? Is Kaz going to find out that his father was one of the ones who perished on Hosnian Prime? Uh, that could be an incredibly powerful episode. Uh, it might be tough for some to watch, but that's certainly a possibility, and it would hit I mean, it would certainly change some of his motivations. I mean, does he want to just run away from everything, or does he want to go and fight? It almost reminds me of in Starship Troopers, uh, when the main character, uh, Johnny Rico, is about to be washed out of the Academy, and he calls his parents to tell him he's coming home, and uh, they're, they're like well-to-do in uh, Buenos Aires, and then, you know, like, the connection's lost. And then he finds out that uh, Buenos Aires was attacked by the alien bugs. And the whole city was destroyed, so he lost his parents that way. I wonder if they're going for that same vibe where, you know, Kaz is trying to uh, patch up the relationship with his father. But that opportunity does, doesn't come because of what the First Order did. That's just total speculation on my part, but it... There's something that popped into my mind when he dropped that fact about the fact that Kaz's dad is a senator. I mean, like I said before, it's very obviously a show for kids. And I'm going to review it as such, especially with having young children in the house. <clears throat> but sometimes, even with kids' shows, you have to touch on some difficult subjects. Honesty and cheating and dealing with loss. So we'll see what approach they go with here. That pretty much sums up the, the key points in the press junkets. 
I will also mention, uh, as of now, StarWars.com has interviews with both Christopher Sean and Susan McGrath that are more about them and how they came to um, do the show, uh, what approach they took to their characters. Uh, it's really worth your time to read both of those. doesn't give any key information about the characters, just about how they were tackling voice acting, uh, whether or not it be a new arena for them. So please check that out. That's on StarWars.com. Uh, just a quick breakdown of the extended trailer that we got. Uh, in some ways it was an extension of the featurettes we got on Team Fireball and the Aces. Uh, lots of the racing was shown, uh, the dynamic between the racers and Kaz trying to fit in. Um, there's, they showed more footage of a space battle involving Poe and Kaz and a red TIE fighter, which I would assume is the ship of um, Major Von Rigg. Uh, who I spoke about last episode. My guess is that this is at the very beginning of the pilot episode of the entire series, so we can see the Resistance and the First Order and where they are on a galactic sense. And Kaz is participating in that as an X-Wing pilot. And then it's after that that they realize there's more to this than just fighting off the First Order, that, you know, what are they truly up to? And that's when... I, I would assume Leia and Poe make the decision to take Kaz to Castellon to become a mecha um, undercover mechanic and spy on the Colossus. Uh, we got lots of glimpses of the pirates and marauders and, and the sea monster, so we get to see all the other non-First Order threats to the station. Uh, looks like um, you know, you're going to get different species. There's a Trandoshan and others. Uh, it's going to be a lot of action uh, of diff uh, from coming from different sources, so it's not it's going to help the series, I think, stay fresh and not not be too dull. I don't think it would be dull at all, but uh, it helps when your adversaries are coming from different ways and have different motivations. Although they made, they made the illusion, it may just be the way the trailer was edited, that the Pirates and Marauders are better prepared, better equipped, so does that does that tie into Bloodline, where uh, the First Order was funding the Maxine Warriors, and Rin Riven dies um, cartel? This partnership between the First Order and these pirate groups to boost all their armaments and truly weaken the the New Republic. So we may be getting that payoff from the book in as far as this goes, with uh, the pirates seem seeming to have a good advantage instead of just being raiders showing up to attack the station. And we do get to see Starkiller Base, so we know it is that close to the Force Awakens. It is complete, and we see glimpses of Captain Phasma. <laughs> it looks like in the hangar bay on Starkiller Base, unless that's on a Star Destroyer. So they are at their full might, or getting there which we know they're capable of with the equipment we see in The Force Awakens and in The Last Jedi with their Star Destroyer fleet. Uh, you do get glimpses of Major Von Reg. Uh, that I'm guessing that's from the, uh, that episode, The High Tower, when uh, they show up and Kaz is trying to spy on them and see what's going on. There's also a gold stormtrooper 
very similar to Captain Phasma and to Cardinal, who, like, a, like I say, is from the Phasma book uh, by Delilah Dawson, but I don't think we're going to see Cardinal on the show. <clears throat> so it seems like there are other Stormtrooper commanders of different colors. So we, we don't know anything about that character yet, so we'll see. But the trailer, it, it may be the summary of the first four or five episodes, but it did a good job showing the different things they're going to have to deal with on the show. The First Order, the pirates, sea monsters out uh, beyond the Colossus, uh, themselves, you know, the competitiveness amongst the main characters, even though they're all good guys, you know, they're challenging each other uh, with these races and just trying to fit in on the Colossus. Uh, they did show an extended scene where we got to see the first time that Kaz meets uh, Tam. Uh, and Yeager and Niku are also in the scene with BB-8. And you can see, I uh, don't want to say the jealousy, but Tam you know, is working to get back to where she was as a racer. As I mentioned from Susie's interview, she was a very accomplished racer on Kuat, and she's trying to get back to that level, but she's trying to get her ship fixed, and uh, and she gets frustrated, obviously, in this scene with this new mechanic showing up all of a sudden and having to deal with him. But Yeager seems to trust him, so what, you know, what, what can she do? She, um, yeah, it's, everybody's going to try to have to figure out how to fit in. Uh, but... The animation is great. The dialogue was good. Um, I'm sure they had a great time recording. Uh, just kind of bouncing off each other with emotions and such. Uh, we got a little bit of taste of the music for the scenes. It's very subtle, but kind of guides you through. Uh, it just looks to be a beautiful show. I, I think it's going to be very enjoyable. You don't have to be a kid. And they even said in the press junket, there's deep dives into Star Wars lore that 40-year-olds, like myself, I'm 41, are going to appreciate. And so that's going to be part of the fun of it, is finding the little Easter eggs that would, you know, just something for everybody. Uh, that is about it. That's all I have. As far as the summary of all the information, we're just a few days away from getting this kicked off with actual episodes, and I will start the weekly reviews. I'm looking forward to it. Um, just glad I've had the chance to build up the podcast to this point uh, and giving out all the information I wanted to, uh, getting the brand out there on social media so you could be aware of it. A big thank you to everyone who's listened, uh, who's commented on it, uh, given feedback. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. I did that all to get to this point to where my next episode is a review of a Star Wars show. And I'm really looking forward to it. Um, again, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search Radio Dakar, R-A-D-I-O-D-Q-A-R. Um, feel free to comment, leave feedback. The show is on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, just search for the show name. I will, send, I will put links on my social media. Until then... I hope you enjoyed the first episode of Star Wars Resistance. I will see you, see you for the review next week. May the Force be with you.